Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Got another dude! What's better than this? Guys being dudes. Dudes to the right, dudes to the left, stuck in the middle with you. Got another dude! Heisman Trophy, Bronco Nagurski Award. Ultimate dudes. Got another dude. O-line you, bunch of dudes. Lot of dudes. Yeah! Another dude in the house. I will remember you. Will you remember me? Don't let your Welcome to the Lot of Dudes podcast, presented by Fourth and Dude, Season 2, Week 5. As Dr. Seuss once said, don't cry because it's over, smile because it happened. For the first time since about a week ago, the Boston College Eagles are officially no longer a ranked football team. BC got railroaded by the Boilermakers on Saturday, dropping their first game of the year by a score of 30-13. to Purdue ran on the Eagles on both sides of the ball lighting them up for 300 yards and three scores through the air, and forcing four turnovers on defense. On today's episode, we'll give you the official Lot of Dudes panic meter, try to come up with a dude in a weekend full of poods, and break down the Eagles' chances of getting back on track in the Coach Adazio revenge game versus Temple next weekend. I'll tell you, what a different tone this this episode is going to have than, uh, than previous. What a just completely disappointing effort on Saturday on every single side of the ball, on every single unit of the ball. Just from start to finish, you just you could tell there was just complete lack of heart. And now here we are at 3-1. and one. Our dreams of Santa Clara are fully on life support, if not already dead. And really just a matter of picking up the pieces and pulling up our jock strap and saying, where do we go from here? We drank the Kool-Aid, Matt. Everyone, everyone was we, saying we did. this Eagles team is uh, has what it takes this year. This is their year. Let's throw them a 23 ranking that they wholeheartedly do not deserve, but let's just go with it anyway. And, I mean, you and I were not going to fight the 23 ranking, right? So other no, people I, should have been on the front lines defending that, but uh, we named a podcast after Coach Adazio. We're the most optimistic fans there are, um, but we're, we're just as guilty as everyone else for drinking the Kool-Aid, believing this team has what it takes. Um, and, and the season's not over, right? But I, I don't think any of us budgeted a loss to Purdue in that type of fashion. Um, happening in the season that we wanted it to be um, to go ten and two and, and beyond. Well, that's the thing. The, the the loss itself, um, you know, candidly, if you were to lay out the schedule and say, all right, you know, you go, you're going to lose, you're going to win the first three, and you're going to lose the Purdue game. I mean, I think we all could live with that. Uh, you know, it's an out of conference game. Purdue, at least coming into the year, was an upstart Big Ten program. You know, it's on the road. There, there's some honor in that loss. The concern is how we lost and how we looked, and and we looked absolutely terrible. We looked like a different team than what we've seen really since 
uh, Louisville last year, with few exceptions. The play calling went back to the you know 2015 era of the run-run pass. It wasn't working. AJ looked slow. Anthony Brown, the the Tony touchdowns turned back into a pumpkin. Just Matt, was, more more like Tony turnovers. It sure, it really was, and that's a shame because that also works really well as a nickname. So that's that's unfortunate for all parties. But yeah, you know, again, it, it, if we were to show out and lose, you know, whatever forty-five to forty or something, we'd say, all right, look. Purdue was bound to wake up, got a good offense, whatever. Let's keep everything rolling and just dominate Temple and, and cru- cruise through the ACC schedule. But the way that offense looked, I mean, I if if we play the way we played on Saturday, I I don't know. I, I honestly don't know where we go from here. You get punched in the mouth. I mean, this team's an underdog, right? They have to be an underdog. They're Boston College football. If they're going to do anything this season, they need to have that underdog mentality. Um, so Purdue comes out and they force a three and out. Then they march down the field, and then a couple calls go against the Eagles, and which, by the way, on that first drive, a, a dropped interception uh, after the defense got great pressure, and the, the front seven got great pressure. But keep going. Sure. So, so I mean, and that's just the start of, of the types of bad bounces that, that they that they got. Um, but good teams, and and I love Coach Adazio again. But well coached teams, um, you know, you can keep your guys motivated. Um, you're able to to sort of turn the page after bad things happened to you um we'll, we'll talk about that rondell moore fictitious touchdown yep. that was one of the worst calls in sports history of, of all time um but it's concerning that at no point did they appear to show that much of a fight and there, there a couple guys did zach allen was still out there fighting you could tell um you know T- sweeney I, I thought you know kept kept at it too but and i i know dylan was it seemed, seemed like he was hurting uh it seems like he's he's playing through through something right now um because you're right, you said it, he's just he's slow right now, and he's he's got to be banged up. I don't know what it is, um, but he's also not getting any types of holes either. But either way, the vast majority of the team, uh, it, it felt like they quit, and and that's on coach, and it's on the players. And and if you guys want to be the 23rd best team in the country, when an 0 three team punches you in the mouth, uh, you got to figure out how to respond, and they could not do that whatsoever on Saturday. Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, I look at it in kind of two ways. There's two explanations for what happened on Saturday. One is flat out, we're just not, uh, you know, as as good as we thought. Uh, we have been playing inferior opponents. Wake Forest must be terrible. Obviously, Holy Cross and UMass aren't good. The teams at the back half of our schedule last year sucked. And Purdue is the first, like, legitimate opponent that we played. I don't know if I buy that completely because I do think this team and you know has shown creativity in the play calling and obviously has the talent to have gotten where they got to. The more likely explanation, and which gives me a little bit of optimism at least, is that this was a complete anomaly from the time they got on the plane until the clock hit zero. Nobody played well. Mentally, physically, they were out of it. They were underprepared. Maybe they were reading their press clippings. I don't know. But not a single unit uh, played well together. Yeah, like you said, obviously there were some uh, you know good individual performances within the units. Uh, you know, like the offensive line, for example, I think Baker, I think it was Baker had another bad game, but Trula looked great, but there's, you know, some mixing and matching going on. Mm, disagree. But disagree. Every, yeah. I thought the, the line was horrible and I thought I, there, and I hate to group them together. That's just how it works in the offensive line, but yeah, that's, that's the problem. Yes. As a unit, over. they sucked. And it was, it was, I don't know. I don't want to say it's, it's, I hope they quit. Right. And I hope they're, hopefully they're not just that much overmatched over what's supposed to be a pretty bad uh, Purdue defense that got blown out by Northwestern uh, in week one and, and beat by Eastern Michigan. I mean, I don't know. So so I'm hoping they quit. That's best case, um, which which sucks to say. But hopefully uh, our O-line didn't regress so so much last year where, you know, 
the second half of the year, they were one of the top lines in the country. They returned everyone. There's no excuse for why they shouldn't be good. Um, well, here's, and, a, here's and it's really everything starts with with poor offensive line play. It's, yeah. There's no holes get open for Dylan. Um, your passing game's not existing. So you get guys in your face. Some of it's on Brown, you know, for having some weird throwing angle. I, that's what people are saying. I, I don't know what it is. I don't know why those passes were getting you know batted down and, and all those interceptions. But uh, the fact of the matter is, I mean, maybe Wake sucks, right? We were feeling good after the Wake after the Wake win. Um, and when we play a real opponent, this is what happens. And maybe that's who we are right now. Unfortunately, it sucks to say, but that's. To me, that's the logical explanation at this point. Well, my question, my question about the line, you know, we look at last year. Uh, obviously, Baker was out, and it was shuffled a little bit differently. We came into this year and, and touted the number of starters that we returned, but we did change like the lineup, I guess, a little bit. I don't know enough about offensive line to know enough about the, the intricacies between the position and you know having a guy play whatever tackle versus guard or or whatever shuffling we did. I mean, is it a possibility that? Uh, you know, maybe we just decide to go back to what was working for us last year. And if that means sitting out Baker or putting Baker in as a backup, like we do that. And, and, you know, we shift Petrula back to center. Uh, I know that was like the one big change, I guess, you know, between the two. But is it just possible that, hey, maybe the guys just worked better last year? Maybe they had a better chemistry with the guy lined up to them last year than whatever they do now. I mean, again, that's, and, and let's be clear, obviously the line looked good for the first three weeks, but was it inferior competition? And is this really their first test? And it's just kind of falling apart. I think that's the one unit that we knew we could count on coming into this year. So for them to no, look, yeah, the we way had no questions, looked, right? It was, right. it was the line was going to be that was the one constant that we that we could it was it was Dylan in the line, right? So right. we knew that we were going to be a pretty good team regardless of everything else. So so for them to look this bad, right? I think that like it's it's almost like we need to we need to figure that out. And if that's yeah, going guys, back to what we did last year, that's they it. move people all over the place. You know, even in the pros, you make a guard a tackle and vice versa, right? And you move these guys around. It comes down to you know just being a physical presence and being able to block. And I'm sure it's more. There's more to it than that. It's a right. science, you know, offensive line. And to your point, I think they absolutely need to do something because uh, whatever Purdue did um, certainly ex- exposed some holes there. And it it brings into question, you know is is Anthony Brown capable of making the right decisions under pressure because we're going to see a lot more of that you know as we get into the ACC slate when it comes to Clemson when it comes to Miami um this pressure isn't going to die down yeah I took another look at the at the wake tape and he had all data throw and you want to give the line a lot of credit but maybe wake just sucks right um and I I don't know I don't I don't know what it is Matt but uh they certainly have to adjust something on the line first and foremost because again uh, Coach Adazio predicated offense is absolutely going to rely on a stout offensive line. And if we don't have that, uh, we got nothing. Well, to get into the X's and O's a little bit, uh, just was reading a couple different things this week. So basically, it sounds like the scheme that Purdue used on, on defense was pretty much the Bud Foster Virginia Tech approach, which obviously killed us last year, where they're pretty much, you know, beyond just like stacking the box, they're putting guys in between the, the gaps on the line. And I don't know if that just doesn't work well with, you know, whatever blocking scheme we're doing. My concern is that it completely shut us down, and if that's something that other defense, you know, maybe Purdue just happened to watch enough the right tape and found that uh, inefficiency and exploited it. My concern is that if that actually is our weakness, the way it looked and kind of an Achilles heel, you know, why doesn't everyone start doing that? Right, uh, Hell exactly. Temple will give us problems you if they exposed, put the linebackers in the gaps. Right, so when you, you know, get exposed I, week four, you're kind of screwed the rest of the year unless you, you do something about it. And, and and some of it too, I think we've talked about. You know, AJ needs to go back to what made him him, which was running north and south. Uh, all game, he was trying to bounce outside. It seems like he's trying to hit the home run every time he runs, which, you know, whatever is fine. Like, we all love his 80-yard touchdown runs. But what's so effective is he would jams up the middle and just gets seven yards, three of them after contact. Right. I think it's it's more injury than anything else. I don't think he's, yeah, something, he would be seeking to go outside. I think he's, 
he's playing with something lower body and he's you know he's more willing to take on a d-back as opposed to dealing with the you know the line and the linebackers it's an easier way to and and a, a hurt dylan is better than any other option you know for a lot yeah, of teams out there true. so uh we, we got to keep rolling with him hopefully it's it's nothing serious um but but you're right i mean without establishing dylan um which obviously is, is predicated on on good line play um you know, we we got nothing offensively. That that's the reason we succeeded against Wake is because we uh, we dominated on the ground. We forced them to to put nine in the box um, and creep up, and and we got play action. Purdue was not scared of that whatsoever. So I don't know I don't know what they're going to do to adjust. But if they come out, uh, if you're Temple right now, why aren't you absolutely right. uh, you know Just doing copy the same exact plan. thing? Right. Yeah, and I, I I do think the. I think the offensive game plan looked a little different to me too. I, I mentioned it earlier, but didn't it look a little bit to you like like how we were calling plays in the first half of last year and, and even before that, really before like the moment uh, Daz always references is the Maryland Bowl game where he got like the coaches in a room and they basically t- took a vote of, all right, we're going to go up tempo and run an exciting offense. It seemed they were like going we up com- tempo. They were they were going up tempo. And well, yeah, but you can't do an up, up tempo when you're running offense that gets one yard of play because then your defense is absolutely gassed. When they well, get that's back the thing. The that was that was probably one of the the biggest detriments to what happened is we're we're going up tempo. We're going three and out six out of seven straight drives. Right. Um, and, and by the way, I, and I don't know how you feel about this either, but. I, I give no blame whatsoever to the defense. They're on the field for 40 minutes. I mean, at some yeah. point, and, and, and plus the end and the, the, the four turnovers, yeah. um, it's a pretty good game. They only give up 30 points when you think yeah, about it. Yeah, against a good way. offense. Yeah, it, it, they did, I'll say they didn't look great at any point, like passing the eye test, and, you know, especially in the first half. But again, in the first half, you know, the Rondell Moore touchdown, which was a joke. Who knows? They could still march down the field on that drive because they looked pretty good on the first drive and the other drives in the half. But. Yeah, I think, you know, they didn't pass the eye test, but looking back on it and saying, okay, only 30 points, you know, if you told, I think, any of us on any point last week, you said, yeah, you're going to give up 30 points, I think we'd say, all right, that's probably a little higher than we'd like, but we still win this game by two scores. I mean, I don't think anybody saw the way our offense looked being held under 40 points, and I was even saying it kind of throughout the whole game. They scored in the first drive. I was like, yeah, you know, that sucks, but okay, are they going to score 33 more points? Because we know we're going to put up 40 and that wasn't even any questions asked, I thought. Right, right. I'm with you. And and I don't want to attack your boy here, and I think he, he's a really good quarterback, and I don't want to you know say that Anthony Brown's not our guy. Uh, but I watched the wake tape again, Matt, and he still has some accuracy issues. He, he does. Uh, a lot of those, you know, he had five touchdowns. Uh, four of those were absolutely wide open guys and he sort of missed them still, but they yeah. were so wide open that whether he underthrew them or, you know, it was out of bounds and that Jeff Smith money overthrew him. Um, you can't do that unless your receivers are getting separation, unless you have time to throw. I mean, against Wake, he had three to, to four plus seconds back there um, to throw and he still wasn't really hitting his guys. So that's a big concern for me. If he can't do that under pressure, again, we're playing against some of the top defenses. Is he prepared to be the guy or was, was that sort of an aberration? Is he going to dominate, you know, bad, bad teams or, or what's, the, what's the deal? Even on that Sweeney interception, uh, the one in the end zone when we were sort of it was yeah. probably too late at that point, but we were mounting the comeback. Um, yeah, that and, was a huge drive. That was after the turnover. That was actually things were looking, we still were alive at that point. We were barely, barely alive. But yeah, yeah we, if we scored there, it would have been a little more interesting. Um, and and in his defense, uh, the center got flattened, and you know they were in, they were in his face, uh, you know, pr- pretty quickly. But he threw an absolute duck over the middle that should have been he could he had Sweeney, he had C.J. Lewis, he could have thrown any any pass anywhere with any type of pace, and he just threw a duck because I don't I don't know he was scared yeah, of getting was... hit. I don't know what it was, but that was a uh, that was the dagger, obviously. So the the point is, I guess you know. 
which Tony touchdowns are we going to see? Is it, is it, you know, the wake Tony who's has time. And if he has time, he's a great quarterback. Um, but more likely than not, we're going to see, you know, a lot of pressure this year. And if he, if he's not prepared to handle that, then we could be in for a lot of turnovers this year. Yeah. So his, his big problem, and I, I rewatched that play a bunch, his big problem, cause I, I remember seeing the, the replay and saying, all right, I forget it was CJ Lewis or whoever, but looked wide open in the corner of the end zone. So the problem was he, and, and everything I've read on his scouting reports as well is that he is notorious for just staring down receivers. So basically yes, in he that did play, that too. I meant so to CJ Lewis that, yeah. was covered by, I think the safety had him and ended up cutting out. And that's why he looked wide open because at that point the safety already cut in because he was staring down the seam at Sweeney. Sweeney had his guy beat uh, and it's a touchdown pass if the safety doesn't come over, but the safety was ready to come over from the second he snapped it because he was staring straight ahead the entire time. So right. that's a concern, you know, fundamentally again, you know, I'm every, you know, everyone had a bad game. Uh, Kobe dropped a couple passes, which he does not do. Uh, they were just a, like every single person had a bad game. So my thought here is that in my hope really is that this is not just as simple as, Oh shit. You know, the offensive line sucks. Like that's it. And, or, you know, Anthony Brown sucks season over. I think it's every single player in the program from the head coach, you know, down to the equipment managers didn't even get on the plane mentally physically we're not prepared and you know dad said in his press conference yesterday uh this team is pissed off right now and they're practicing pissed off you know they have a chip on their shoulder maybe they did need this wake-up call and it, and it sucks because it sucks to be 23rd in the country and, and crash down to earth the way they did but maybe this is what they need and you know it's a, it's a good rebound for the rest of the year and i mean honestly that's all we can hope for i'm obviously going to put my faith in that because we are eternal optimists and we get our hopes up irrationally at times but that that's the only thing I can possibly take away from this is that they just it was a complete anomaly. This looked like a different team. They got punched in the mouth. They woke up and now they're ready to go for the next uh, eight games. I, I it's the most annoying thing in the world when people blame the refs for for what happens. Right? You hate the, the yeah. guy that says, "Oh, we didn't get any calls. We never get any calls. Whatever." But um, you know that game completely changed on that Rondell Moore seventy yard knee clearly down um, and, and the players stopped playing because they literally they saw his knee down and at worst it's going to get re- reversed right right um you know so and and Moore's a really good player obviously you know but it was a it was 7-7 at that point right and the, the mood of the game completely changed you, you add to that the um I think just minutes later we had uh, the Zach Allen jumping off sides with the Will Harris interception plus the late hit, and they, then they started driving down the field. Yep. It's it was that a was lot the of third, things. Yeah, that was the third touchdown drive. And, yeah, that made and it. And you know what it was? A lot of it was the refs had just kind of botched the game so badly at that point with uh, weird whistles and interrupting play and getting the clock right and stuff. There was no way they were going to overturn that call and upset that crowd that was already booing them to begin with. So it sucks when you don't get your way with with, with things like that. But uh, with all all those def- deflating plays and you know, the momentum's just not on your side. It is tough to sort of readjust and, and you know, try to get back into it. Um, but I do think you take away that touchdown. The game has a completely different feel in that first half. It, it does. Uh, and But that's not why we lost. Yeah, that's that's kind of the only positive spin I have on it is that, like, I'm almost glad that, you know, if we were to lose, and I don't know, I go back and forth on this, would you rather lose in, like, a heartbreaking fashion? But I think that if we lost by, you know, a close game. I'd rather can, not get embarrassed. I, I agree with that, but I think like think about how bitter we would be if we could singular, singularly blame the refs and that missed call and just kind of the terrible like how just pathetic that would be. So if anything, it's a good thing of yeah they were horrible. It was one of the worst officiating jobs we've seen in a very long time. But at the end of the day, it had no impact on the final score. So I mean, at least I can sleep a little more soundly with that and just know that we decided to play the worst game that we played in four years. 
Agreed. All right. That's, I think that's all I want to talk about Purdue. We want to just close that chapter. Uh, let's move on. It's a wake up call and, uh, hopefully it motivates the boys. seems like based on, uh, you know, what everyone's saying in the press conferences, you know, after practice interviews, these guys are motivated. They want to, uh, you know, write this wrong and, and get ready for temple in the rest of the year. So, uh, with that, let's just move right into it, Matt. Dude or pood, what do you got? Yeah, I mean, obviously, uh, not a ton of positives on the field like we talked about. Uh, for a dude, I have two things. One, I mentioned it a little bit, but it is a non-conference loss. Like that's absolutely huge. I would so much rather have you know the it worked out this way than vice versa, and us get embarrassed at Wake and then you know come out and, and beat Purdue in a high-scoring thriller. At the end of the day, you know, we looked horrible, but it is just one game, and it's just one game, not in the conference. Uh, my second dude, which is very much related to this, is that the rest of the ACC is absolutely terrible. Uh, we, we'll get into it a little bit in, in, in when we bring into the courtroom here. But, you know, Vatek looked obviously pathetic. Uh, NC State still hasn't played anyone. Louisville lost to Virginia. They're horrible. So it is still a wide open conference, really besides Clemson. And at that point, you know, you never know if you're only one loss away. Fluky things happen. They lose a game they're not supposed to lose. We make, you know, who never knows, right? We, so we, it might be so bad though that we're already mathematically eliminated. <laughs> you know, <laughs> they take I, a, they realize the SEC or Big Ten's that much better. They take a oh, you know, oh, one or two oh, loss team I, over us, even if we win the ACC championship, which seems laughable right now. Oh, so I'm, 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 I, I want to be clear. I'm not speaking to the college football playoff at all. Okay. That, that I think has. I don't want to officially say it's dead yet, but it just about has sailed completely. I'm referring strictly to the ACC championship, which I think, by the way, is. You know, coming into the year was a was a even calling it a more realistic goal is kind of funny because Clemson is that good, but it's a, obviously a more attainable goal than uh, you know CFP. So it, if we could somehow make the ACC championship, I mean, this would be the best year in a or the best year in a decade. So we'd all love that. So that's my dude is that it was not a conference and the conference stinks. So that is still for me an attainable goal if we can remember how to play football and go back to the way we played football for the previous, uh, I don't know, 10 weeks prior to this past Saturday. So I got a little optimism there. That's really the only thing I can I can take away on a positive note. Just try to put it in the rear view, rear view mirror, use it as a chip on your shoulder, and just get ready to attack the rest of the way. My dudes that we didn't go, we had discussed going. Thank God we that did not go. That would have been go. horrible. We, and we know from experience, there's nothing, there's absolutely nothing in the world Worse than being stuck in the middle of nowhere after just a debilitating loss like that. Um, our senior year, we went out to Army, which is, I don't know, six or seven hours away from BC. Um, great time, pregame. Tailgate was awesome, and, and Army's a historic place. I recommend you guys go if you haven't yet. Um, but that drive home was absolutely miserable. <laughs> yeah. We didn't even bother post-game tailgating because it was so yeah, – we, we, we gave were, up we 700 yards to stay over. To we were supposed to stay in the area. Yeah, we didn't stay the night. And we, we were like, you know what, night. let's just get the hell back to campus. And uh, so so that's that's my dude. We could have been stuck in West Lafayette surrounded by Purdue fans. Um, so fortunately, that didn't happen. Um, but we again, we are going to NC State, and we we're going to get we're going to get a W there. We need a, we need a win. Um, turn the season around, but we get Temple first. So Temple first again, one game at a time. Um, so there's a lot of poods to choose from. Obviously, this week, this weekend was was the worst. Um, and I don't want to overreact here with my pood, but for the last six years, I've been defending Coach Adazio here, and this game was has kind of been six years in the making. And you guys can go back and, and check the tapes on on last season. I think it was week five or something where everyone wanted Daz fired and. You know, I was kind of out out on a limb, you know, just trying to, uh, you know, say, give him the season, let him uh, let him earn the second half. And, you know, obviously he went on a tear and, and you know, crushed it in the, in the second half of the year. But 
it seems like everything's been building up towards this season, specifically this game. It felt like, you know, are we the real deal? And uh, so my pood, I, I guess, is Daz kind of let me down. And it sucks because <laughs> he's I, – I really want to love this guy, and I think he's – I do think he's a good coach. Well, I don't know about that. I think he's, he's a, good, a good recruiter. He's a good recruiter and a good and developer of talent. He does, he's a good face of your program. Um, but just time and time again, and it's it's getting harder to defend him. Um, but I, I don't want to overreact. I was just so disappointed by this game. Um, you know, we, we were, it felt like we get a win here. Uh, you know, we were pretty much almost guaranteed the way the, the rest of the ACC is shaping up um, to be undefeated going into Miami, uh, which would have made for a really special season. Um, so and, 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 and by the way, an add on, an add on to that as well with how many teams lost this weekend, like we'd probably be, we'd definitely be in the top 20. We'd like be around 15 in the polls this week. True. Mississippi That's state, like point, everybody yeah. lost Oklahoma state. So uh, there were, I think like six new teams in the, in the poll this week. Cause everybody dropped out. Vatek obviously dropped all the way out. So that to me was the other huge missed opportunity is, you know, you talk about like CFP and how you're going to climb up the rankings and how it's hard normally from 25 to get all the way up there, but this is on a silver platter to put us, you know, basically halfway there. Yeah, and 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 Matt and I have just been on the road to fifteen and zero, kind of jokingly, kind of <laughs> not, uh, for the past four or five months now since the the off season hype has been building up, and it sucks that that's officially over, and it sucks that we look like uh you know middle of the pack team at this point might as well be a Pitt or or Georgia Tech, you know, not the BC team that everyone thought uh you know we had coming into the year. Yeah, my, my poot is obviously on a very similar note. Uh, it's just us for getting our hopes up. We do this every year, every single season. We come in and op- and normally we're the you know optimist and we're calling for ten and two, eleven and one, and everyone else is just predicting six and six. Turns out they're right most of the time. This was the year it was supposed to be different. Everyone was on that you know ten win plus bandwagon. We were fully on the Santa Clara bandwagon, and I you know think there was a time where we both at least thought it was a legitimate possibility. And then it just came crashing down so hard in the span of like an hour, pretty much on Saturday. So we do this every year. We get our hopes up and every year our heart breaks. And look, the season is not over. We still can turn this around and have one of the most special seasons, you know, in in BC history. But damn, that just, it really, really, really hurt. And we knew it would hurt. We knew whenever we had this bad loss and we knew there'd be one, it would hurt this bad because of how high we got our hopes up. So my poot is just us again for... Just being complete idiots. And- Specific to Purdue, right? Uh, Kirk Herbstreet, you know, and, and all those guys. Oh, yeah, no question. Purdue's got this. They're going to upset the Eagles. And, you know, that, that team sucks. Reese Davis, whose real name is Reeseus or something, or Loris, uh, that guy is the worst, too. He's a Chris Fowler wannabe. Um, it sucks that they were right. I don't think they'll be right, you know. I don't know, 10 weeks from now, I think, uh, you know, this team will come together and, and we have too much talent to – you know, to not to be a six and six or seven and five team this year, we think. Um, and here's the other thing too: that, you know, every team has a bad loss. You go back to Clemson. You know, they lost to Syracuse last year, right? Miami yeah. went down to Pitt. You know, in the middle of November last year, Iowa State got blown up by Iowa. So you go down the list, and there's always a bad loss. And I'm not saying we're we belong in the conversation with those teams yet, but I'm just saying, best case here. That's our bad loss. We got it over with early. People are going to forget about it. The polls forgive you for bad losses early in the year. They say, look how far this team's come. So hopefully we rip off a few more W's and uh, we'll get back in the top 25. Yeah, I hear. And again, I think, you know, there's been a lot of discussion and we tweeted it a couple of times as well that like this is the last time we'll be in the top 25 for a decade. I've, 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 I've rescinded that a little bit because our schedule is so easy. If we're 6-1 and one going into Miami, which is three... 
I would say at, at minimum winnable games. Just beat well, NC State. I mean, Louisville. Yeah, that's the only win. one that and, that will be potentially underdogs in. No, I think I think you're right. I think we'll 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 be right on the cusp. If, if we're six and one, we're getting votes again. And then if we beat Miami, which you know, assuming Miami continues to win, I guess uh, because obviously if they lose their next three, it won't matter. But if we're six and one in the ACC and three and zero oh in the ACC and going into Miami, I would would expect so the, the thing with the top 25 is so weird too even when we were coming into it like everyone looks now okay yeah they were 23 and now they're not even getting votes which means they're like 50th in the country but that's not how it works that just means no one thinks that we're on the top 25 which i think we would agree with we're not one of the 25 best teams but we are one of like the 40 best teams and if people were actually mapping their polls out to 40 we'd still be fully on that list but everyone looks at the receiving votes as like the actual rankings which i guess is technically the only equitable way to do it, but I don't know. People are freaking out that we're not receiving votes. That means we're so far from getting all the way in. It's entirely possible, and it's certainly not the case, but it's entirely possible that every single voter, you know, would have us at 26, and all we need is one, you know, bump to get us back in, if that right. makes sense, from a mathematical perspective. So it's not as bleak, I think, as everyone seems to think it is, which is good. But if we want to talk about getting the getting putting the cart before the horse, I had in my phone uh, on Saturday morning, I had like seven tweets saved from, uh, I did like a Twitter search over the summer of Purdue fans talking trash about this game and about mm-hmm. how we had no chance and Purdue was going to destroy BC. And they and I was so excited. Hey man, I just I, bury those. I just I bury had those. them all saved and I was going to retweet them all. And it was, it was going to be such a fun Saturday afternoon. And going through and deleting them all was was one of the more depressing things I've had in, in the social media era. So I'm oh. shocked Kyle from that uh, that Purdue site didn't come back over the I top. Was, I believe me, I was waiting for absolutely that. Absolutely end you. So Matt Matt picked a fight, said a dumb thing. He said, well, turned out to be true, but he basically said, <laughs> um, you know, BC has no passing attack. If, if we can stop the run, they have no shot. Um, which turned out to be exactly the case. But that's not a good take after the Wake Forest game. It's like he missed the, the <laughs> right, whole exactly, first half exactly. of the, the Yeah, game, Maybe he so. had a time machine positively, but like you can't say that. Right. Yeah. So shocking that he didn't he didn't rub your face in that. Uh, I, I do want to throw I want to throw one other poot in there as well. And it uh, kind of goes with your road trip point, uh, because when we were talking about this road trip originally, I think, uh, you know, the plan was, like we said, to go to the Penn State, Illinois game on Friday night, which obviously would have been a loss for the team that we would have rooted for. But then also there was discussion, loosely at least, of going up to oh, Detroit yeah. for the yep. Patriots game on Sunday night. And if that was to happen, it would be even worse. So my dude is the fact that the Patriots have had such a bad start to the year. They were always, and they will be, they'll figure it out. I have no concern about it, but they are always like the Sunday bailout game. And I can feel as terrible as I want after a BC performance on Saturday, but I know at one o'clock or four o'clock or whenever they play on Sunday, I'm going to watch good football and I'm going to get a positive result and end the weekend on a high note. So ending the weekend on Sunday, the, you know, the, the way they looked after the way BC looked to two winless teams was just an absolutely atrocious weekend, an atrocious way to end the weekend, but a fitting way to cap the weekend overall. So, yeah, not uh, not good things going on in the fourth and dude sports world as as two Boston and BC fans. I completely forgot that we had even talked about that. Can you imagine, imagine boarding a plane on, we'd be on Sunday night at like in Detroit midnight. of all places? Yeah, yeah, coming from Detroit and having to go back to work. Oh man. Um, all right, uh, let me go first with the dude of the week because I I think there's really only one positive that came out of the game will probably be the same uh mikey walker is back officially um he was electric on the returns uh bounce back game for him obviously he had that turnover um on the punt return against wake and hasn't really broken out i mean i think he played he's played fine against holy cross but um hasn't done hasn't been as productive as i think a lot of us were hoping you know he's an all acc guy back there and uh 
every single return he had gave BC great field position, which makes the fact that we only had seven points uh, that much worse. Um, but shout out to Mikey Walker. Big time game from him. So if we can keep that going, maybe that neutralizes whatever the current issue is with our offense. Yeah, he was, he was mine as well. And beyond just like his returns, the blocking on those returns were incredible. I mean, the holes he had, you could drive a truck through. So I'll say for as bad as the special teams looked against Wake and previously, the fact that, you know, maybe Ricky Brown, uh, you know, they got in his ear and, and he went to the drawing board and figured and, and got his team, his, his unit fired up. That does give me a little hope that these coaches can get through to the other side of the ball as well uh, and maybe kind of follow the same recipe. If he could take the team from as bad as they looked to the way they looked on Saturday and really just the return team because obviously we still have our uh, extra point issues. Our, but our punting and extra points still suck, Matt. I don't know what yeah, you're no, 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 That side's <laughs> terrible. So strictly I want to keep this on the return <laughs> side. I want to be very clear. Uh, the rest of them are not out of the woods yet. Maybe that'll come in later weeks. But again, we can turn it around. We have the talent. Uh, Mikey Walker's a great example. He was talented. He had a terrible start. Uh, and now we figured it out. We just got to do the same thing on offense and defense. Season's not over. It was just about as bad as it possibly could have been, though. So we'll see. We'll see where we go from here. All right, Matt, court is officially in session. All right, first up, I think we have to talk about it. It's obviously the story of the weekend, Virginia Tech. I mean, yeah. what what happened? It's the biggest upset in the history of uh, ESPN's FPI numbers or whatever, which I think has been around for like 20 or 30 years. They were, I think, I think what, like 18 point favorites uh, on the road at a basically D2 school. If they are actually D1, I'm not even sure. Do we know? Uh, I feel like we should know, but we don't know. I think they're, you, 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 they you play get Eastern, your opinion on East them. Carolina. I, I feel like they're like a rival of East Carolina. So I think they're, I think they're F- FBS division one. Okay. Is that, the, was that the question? Yeah. Yeah, my yeah, my question is: they are they bowl or North Dakota type? No, I think they're I think they're they're real. But so I I mean yeah, obviously oh, yeah, they're, they're they're conference USA. Yeah, yeah, there you go. So they they lost their quarterback. I don't know when, right? Was it late in the game they lost Josh Jackson? So you can't even really blame that because they were already losing yes. at that point. Yep, yeah, he was long gone. But or or he happens. played the whole game pretty much. Listen, listen, we saw it against Penn State and, and Appalachian State. We saw it with Temple and Villanova. These FCS schools or these terrible schools or you know whatever. Uh, sometimes you bring your A game, and sometimes the other team doesn't. And we saw it against BC and Purdue. Sometimes, and and I, I, we tweeted it out too. It's like, hey, at least we're not that bad, right? At least you know our right. loss is on the road. It could be worse to, yeah. to Purdue, not not you know at home against Old Dominion. So, uh, I don't know. I, I I think you're allowed to have a fluke game. I think everyone does. Um, and that's theirs. I'm not ready to write off Virginia Tech, although I am because I don't know who their backup quarterback is. And they got Duke this weekend. I got mm-hmm. Duke by a million. Yeah, that's that's the biggest takeaway for me as well as the injury. So they were 29-point underdogs, by the way, which is way more than we even thought. That's like an amazing spread to cover. But yeah, losing, losing Jackson is, is humongous. They've already lost so many people from either dismissal or draft or injuries throughout the season. So they are they seem like a little bit of a walking zombie right now. And, and you know, it's which is, again, goes back to my earlier point about how bad the rest of the ACC is and why our schedule is still manageable. Uh, but it, it really was a wild weekend in college football if you look all the way across the board. Oklahoma needed overtime at home to sneak by Army. Oklahoma, I think we've thought all year, has been one of the best teams out there. Uh, Mississippi State lost to Kentucky. Kentucky back in the top 25 for the first time in years. Ooh, Kentucky's on my list, too. Yeah. Kentucky versus South Carolina this weekend, Matt. Who you got? Because we got, we got a couple old friends here. We got Patrick Tolls, who's friend of the program, um, versus 
me. I'm a big South Carolina Everyone guy. Everyone knows that. Yep. I don't know who you got there. I don't know who to root for. I'm going to be rooting for the for the Gamecocks, but I'm 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 fully I'm fully on the Cats here. I think are you? Uh, I like there's I like you know I like teams that are not you know your traditional football powers. Uh, obviously, we're not as I think low historically as a program as as they are, but it's still the same idea of kind of someone shaking up the you know the old boys club. I like I'll tell that. you, they're they're everything that we should be this year. They're four and zero. They got a couple big time wins. They got that running back who's a Heisman contender. Um, it sucks that, that Kentucky is Kentucky and we're at BC right now. Um, but now that's 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 exciting. And then what was the other big one? Oklahoma State lost uh, at home, and then TCU lost to Texas at home. Texas is back. There you go. Or I, I, Texas, I it's, by the it's, way, it's the lost to- it, It's the courtroom. Texas are they're charged with being back? Are they guilty or not guilty of being back? They're guilty of the transitive property, which if you do it, Maryland beat Texas, yep. Temple beat Maryland. Can we beat Texas this weekend? Is yeah, it's, can it's, we beat it's, TCU? Really, it's right? the big game. Yeah, TC, so. yeah, exactly. And yeah, TCU almost beat Ohio State. So can we lose to Ohio State by like a field goal? <laughs> Uh, guilty. I don't know what you're guilty. Want right. from me there. All right, you got uh, anyone else got you couple, want to bring in here? Or we, or yeah, we I got a, I got a couple on my list here. Um, Syracuse, Clemson this weekend. There's there's no way Syracuse can knock off Clemson. Again, I don't think right? so. I Not in Death so. Valley. Yeah, and I, I think uh, Syracuse is, is hanging around the top 25. I just I don't see any way there is. Good. I mean, they looked again. They look great against Florida State. They obviously looked great against UConn. But that's not saying anything whatsoever. I think that they will get absolutely massacred, especially Clemson's mm. bringing in the new, the sunshine quarterback with the with the long hair. Who's yeah, like I'm worried about him. I'm, I'm worried he's a little too comfortable, frankly. And uh, the spread's going to be enormous, right? Spread will probably be what, 14 what is, plus yeah. or, or 21. And uh, Dungey does not get blown out. Dungey, it doesn't happen. So I'm, I'm betting the mortgage with the points there. That Syracuse might not pull it off, but I guarantee that will be a close one. 21-point uh, underdog, yeah. There you go. So, um, all right. Other one I want to bring in, um, NC State versus UVA. Upset alert for uh, for NC State. UVA looked incredible against, again, a very, very bad yeah, Louisville, Louisville team. Yeah, Louisville so bad. No, but they have this electric quarterback. They smoked Louisville. They held them to three points. UVA does have a, UVA does have a very good secondary. I will say that. Uh, some people even And they got this new like, quarterback, Matt. This, this quarterback yeah. looks like Mike Vick reincarnated based on some of the highlights I saw. So Interesting. NC State, NC State's a question mark right now. Um, I know we said last week that, in all likelihood, that would be you know they'd be undefeated when we go down there next week. I don't know. I I, I, I kind of like UVA to pull off the upset, but that'll be uh, that'll be an interesting interesting eight one point, to watch. Yeah, officially eight point dogs there for UVA, so that will be fun to watch. Again, I, I'm very disappointed that the NC State game time is at noon. I figured with everyone expecting a win out of NC State, you get an undefeated versus a three and one or four and one team in the ACC. That should be a a three thirty kick, but I guess we're gonna have to stick with twelve thirty. So uh, disappointing all the way around. I think that that rounds up a pretty good week in the courtroom, though. You have anyone else uh, still in the still in the pool? No, disappointed that we didn't work in as many uh, lawyerisms as we usually do. Well, we can't uh, top badgering the witness. That's true. That's a good. That's point. hard to do. Speaking of badgers, Matt, what do you got for Eagles in the wild? Oh, I got some good. Oh, you, you didn't adjourn the court yet? Oh, sorry about that. Okay, thank you. Uh, I actually have an Eagles in the wild this week, which I never do. So good job by me there. So I got two of them. Uh, first KPL had a big block punt on Thursday night football for the Jets, uh, obviously lost that game to the Baker Mayfield led Browns. KPL Very, friend of the, friend of the good friend of the program, I would say. KPL. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. No, I've talked to him in a few years, but great guy. Good across 2013. Program, yeah. yeah. I don't know if he would say he's a friend of the program, but we can, we oh, can play no, we go way back the halls of, of Fitzpatrick back in 09. You kidding me? Yeah, sorry, <laughs> didn't mean to didn't mean to uh, step on step on your reputation there. Mm-hmm. Uh, second one I have Olivier Hanlon back in the states, back in the NBA, signed with the Spurs. 
Yeah, he's been in Europe pretty much since he was drafted in the second round. So, summer uh, league. Is he a D-League D guy? Or? He's floated, I think, in the D-League and the, and the Europe leagues and whatever. But yeah, he's officially back uh, on a Spurs deal. So back in the NBA, time for a resurgence. Nice. Replacing, I guess, the Tony Parker uh, you know, <laughs> well, guy, who, yeah. the, the, French, the French-speaking... Uh, point guard so and, and Manu yeah talk about big shoes at the guard position of Phil right um I got one I got uh Brian Gianta officially announced his retirement um you know obviously a, an institution for BC hockey uh, about 20 years ago he, he was the captain of the 01 uh natty championship team I believe and then played in the NHL for I think 100 years um it's officially hanging him up so uh you know great career for him and and great ambassador for BC hockey yeah, I think that's that's a that's a great one. Anyone else this week? No, that's it. One okay. one's enough, man. I got one one and done. Yeah, I think I have no I have no problem with that at all. We we ready to move on into uh, the Temple Owls? Yeah, let's do it. Um, I'll kick it off. Uh, fun fact, right? That goes first. Yep. My fun fact is they actually, and I'm a Philly guy now. I recently uh, relocated to Philly just for you guys, so I could kind of be here Bo- on boots you know, on the boots, ground. Yep, boots on the ground. <laughs> You know, in in enemy territory, um, you know, I'm sort of, you know, moved here so I could live and 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 see what the Temple Owl fans are like, and so all that for you guys. Um, but no, actually, it's the Temple's right in the right in downtown. It's it's a step away from where my office is, uh, a few few blocks away. So, uh, but anyway, my fun fact: they filmed an episode of Friday Night Lights. Oh, there. come on, man, this is mine. Oh, you're in trouble. It was real late. It was it was season five, and I think things kind of cooled off once once season five hit. I didn't watch season five, um, but anyway, Tammy was interviewing as the dean of some fictional school, um, and that was Temple University. It's right and as Riggins was getting out of prison too, so everything was kind of coming together at the right time. We'll do on that note, I guess. If we're, if we're doing Friday Night Lights college tours, uh, obviously they filmed a huge episode at BC. Allegedly, I don't. I don't know if that ever happened. No, it was fully there. We saw. Well, there was a campus. lot of rumors that that happened. I don't. I don't remember that episode. Matt, I saw it with my own two eyes. I've also seen the episode. It's like blatantly obvious they're at, they're at Boston College. They have a big Julie. Julie and uh, Tammy have a big heart to heart on the Comav garage. That's a weird. Oh, like against the, like the against yeah, like the looking out it's over looking out over Boston, <laughs> looking out over the mob lot. Yeah, exactly. Looking out over the great tailgate scene. No, but they 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 go to a couple lecture halls. Uh, cause Tammy wanted to go there when she was applying to school originally. And then she was like, you know what? I'm just going to play it safe and stick in Texas with Eric, which obviously is a great call because who wouldn't want to, you know, stick with Eric Taylor for their life. Um, so I'm on the, I'm on the, uh, on the clock here, uh, for Temple Fun Facts. Okay. Uh, how about this one? Uh, should be good. In 2014, a team of researchers at Temple University, uh, eliminated... Related. HIV from the human genome, but I don't think that's like a, I don't think they cured AIDS. No, I don't know. Cause that, I think that's still a thing, right? Yeah, I think so too, but well, they did eliminate it from human cells. So it's a breakthrough. I don't know why they can't apply that to all the cells now. I, I, there's so many flaws in that. You know what? Let's move on to tailgate ability rate. Okay. Rankings. Yeah. I think that's probably a good move there. Um, all right. So obviously it is in Chestnut Hill. So we do the tailgate, tailgate ability score. Um, it's out of 30 Bud Lights. Obviously, Temple plays in the AAC. They're sort of an underwhelming opponent. Um, it's a noon kickoff, and it's one of those where it's kind of, eh, if we win, but disastrous if we lose. Um, so it's kind of worst case all around. It's a potentially depressing postgame scene. Um, but with all that said, we are still not mathemat- mathematically eliminated um, 
from the college football playoff. So the minimum, I said this last week, the minimum when we're undefeated is 22 BL slash RVs. The minimum when we're in playoff contention still is 17. Um, so with all the above said, I'm going 18.8 BLs. Yeah, I'm pretty much right there with you. It's parents weekend, which is always, I think, a subdued tailgate. Uh, you know, it's it's a little bit of a late arriving crowd normally. Obviously, coming off the loss last week, I think the fans are going to be deflated. I hope that doesn't translate to the field because the team needs all the energy they can get. Uh, noon starts terrible. Gorgeous day for football, though. 72 and sunny. I mean, if that's not, you know, good September football weather, I don't know what is. With all that said, again, it's, it feels like a letdown overall against a small-name opponent. I got to go 17.8, kind of right in that same neighborhood as you. All right. And with that, we are going to roll right into the top five notable alumni. Matt. What do you got? Yeah, I'm going to take the big one off the list. It's definitely on your list. Uh, Adam McKay is ah. going to be my first overall pick here. So he's you know one of the most prolific directors, especially in the comedy genre uh, of this day and age. He's directed Step Brothers, Anchorman, uh, the other guys, Talladega Nights, The Big Short. And uh, I'll also throw in The Campaign. I think The yep, Campaign is a wildly funny movie. I thought Will you were going to leave that one out. That's a good one. Yeah, Zach Galifianakis, Will Ferrell, just a, an absolute riot. That was kind of when Zach Galifianakis was at his peak. I feel like he's, I don't know if he's fallen off. I just haven't seen him in a while. So, yeah. He's bound and down, too. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay, I didn't see powers. that on the Wikipedia yep. page. All right, that's mm-hmm. yeah, that's a, that's a really good resume. So, Adam McKay uh, is a pretty clear-cut number one overall pick, I would say. He's also married, Matt, to Ari Gold's sister. In real life. In real life. Jeremy, Jeremy Piven, yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So, okay. I feel like I did a better job Good on research. that research. Yeah, no, I, yeah. I, this was kind of by the seat of my pants here. All right. With the two in the three hole, I'm going to go Daryl Hall and John Oates. And I just want to be careful here because it's not John Oates, the guy that we know, <laughs> the more famous, I would say, John Oates, who... I would, I would definitely agree. Was I think had the worst... No, he's a friend of the program, so we shouldn't say that. But um, certainly had a lot of three-point attempts. Not all of them were necessarily advised three-point attempts, and I don't know that he made a lot of them. Um, Is he still on anyway, Dr. Oz? Yeah, so he's he's the, the social media director of the Dr. Oz show, so I'm sure you guys know. But he didn't go to Temple. He went to BC. Um, Hall & Oates, obviously, as the people that I named, is you know one of the, the all-time uh, musicians of the 80s and beyond. Um, they have... Quite a few hits, including my personal favorite, um, You Make My Dreams Come True, which is a good one, which is actually featured in Step Brothers. So, Brothers, so yeah. there you go. That's a great scene. Um, so Oates would actually transfer after his freshman year, but Hall went there. I think he graduated. Um, anyway, so so Hall and Oates, the two and three, Matt. Okay, perfect. I'm going to go with number four, Danny Woodburn. So he plays Mickey on Seinfeld. Uh, which is a little person, I think is the official term these days, but he's friends with Kramer. He's an actor buddy of Kramer's. They get in you know, a bunch of different hijinks over I think, the course. I think the right term is dwarf. I think they like dwarf. Really? I think so. Yeah, little person's offensive. Little person always seemed to have the most traction, to be honest. It seems like the most polite. Yeah, I don't know. Dwar- I never got dwarf. Oh, why don't you just keep going? Okay. Yeah, we'll just Sound keep going. Anyways, comments, if, a, very, a, very, a very funny character. Uh, like I said, got himself into a lot of... Uh, good hijinks with with Kramer and, and the whole gang there. Seinfeld, best comedy of all time. And he uh, somewhat, uh, not a regular cast member, but any recurring cast member definitely gets a, a shout out there. Uh, and with my final pick, I'll go with uh, I'll go with Diplo. He's a electronic music DJ. Personally, not my favorite guy in the world. Uh, seems like kind of a tool if we're being it, candid. It, 
Rest in peace. He's dead now, right? No, that's Avicii. He was he was oh, great. Avicii, Avicii. Yeah, yeah. Right. Diplo Got is it. fully very much alive. He kind of stinks. Uh, he seems like kind of a pretty big a pretty big tool. But uh, I'll give a shout out. He performed one of the shows uh, at Vegas for my brother's bachelor party three years ago. So it's a little special place in my heart. Shout out to Encore Beach Club. Matt, my uh, my six is gonna be fictional. Is that okay? Yeah, that's cool. Toby Flanderson went to Temple. <laughs> Did you know that from the office? I did not know that. That's a it's good, kind that's of a, a good one. Yeah, it's 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 kind of a deep cut here, but in one of the episodes, he has a temple. Uh, what do you call it? Certificate. What do you get when you uh, diploma? Diploma. That's what it is. Yeah, it's hanging on his wall. So, Toby Flanderson, who I I think is the most underrated character in the history of The Office. In my yeah, opinion. the show doesn't work as well without him, and then obviously the real person behind it wrote and directed a bunch of episodes. Uh, I think. The I think Bob Saget as a oh, yeah. is mention our biggest those. omission the, the history of notable alumni. I kind of figured you would take him. Like I think he certainly deserves this over Mickey from Seinfeld, for example. Uh, any anyone else on your list that we missed? Well, yeah. So I obviously you know the most famous are like Bill Cosby, yeah, uh, who's a bad guy. Ted Bundy, who, is he, was he the Unabomber? He was a bad no, guy. Ted, too. No, that's Ted Kaczynski. Ted Bundy's just a big serial killer. Oh, same thing. And then I had Bob Saget kind of in that category, but he's like a great guy. Turns out I, I did some research. Bob, yeah, Saget he's not a bad. Like, yeah, he doesn't. He's not into like the whole drugging people. Well, so like the thing, as far he, as I know, he plays himself in Entourage, and he he comes across as like a really bad guy playing himself. And but turns out that's a that's a shtick. I think so. Anyway, so Bob Saget we missed. That's a bad one. Um, the other two I'm okay leaving off the list. Yeah, that's, I think yeah those those two. I think uh, the only time we've had a negative notable alumni was with Notre Dame last year, which was. Actually, one of my favorites, but uh, yeah, the, we, we in general don't like to put people who are in prison uh, for a long and terrible crime. So I think that's that's good to leave them as they are. Uh, Bill Cosby, by the way, still has an honorable degree from Boston College, and we've, I think, refused Ooh. to revoke that, which seems like a bad job. That seems like something that someone with a brain should go in and, and pull it out. Right. <laughs> um, all right. Let's talk a little football here to, to close the show. So. Oh, hang on. Got... Just, just, a, just a stat boy correction here, yep. just to clear up. Uh, BC did rescind the honorary degree oh. earlier this year. After you, check, you, you checked it that quickly? Yeah. Or did just you Google. say that knowing that it was oh, – got it. Okay. Just Google. Okay. Um, all right. So, obviously, we played Temple on, on Saturday. That's why you guys are here listening. Um, so, I guess how we match up and, and strengths and weaknesses. Oh, I guess, first of all, you know, this is Temple Super Bowl. It's a revenge game. Um, you know, they all hate Steve Adazio there for saying Temple's his dream program and then leaving him in the dust, um, which, by the way, happens to every coach at Temple. No one will stay at Temple for more than three years. Like in what world Between is Temple Al Golden and, and Matt Rule and, and Adazio, right. everyone jumps ship once they have a winning season. Um, and by the way, I don't want to get into this, but Matt Rule, you know, won those 10, had those 10 game seasons with Adazio's players. So the reason they were ranked was because of Stevie A, whatever, it doesn't matter. Um, but anyway, so it's a two and two Temple team. But not the way you'd expect. They uh, they had a couple tough losses early on in the year. They lost to Buffalo, um, or first of all, they lost to, to Villanova, which is never good. Um, FCS school. They also lost to Buffalo, who's now a, a tw- the twenty sixth ranked team in the country. So yeah, that's Buffalo's not necessarily not a bad loss. Yeah. Um, and they knocked they knocked off Maryland. So um, this is a team with some talent, and they're uh, you know they come to play in, in big games. Um, but I don't know. It's still Temple. It's still an AC, AAC school. We have more talent than them. Um, so I don't know. It'll, it'll be interesting, but they're going to come to play on Saturday. That that much is for certain. Yeah, that's kind of my. I, I'm kind of throwing out the early season losses because they basically 
retooled the entire starting lineup after the loss. I think it was after Villanova, but it might have been after Buffalo. But basically, the team that beat Maryland was a completely different you know, yeah, starting Yeah, after 22. Buffalo, they had the new quarterback. Okay. All right. So so that counts then, I guess, there. But, you know, I, I do throw out the Villanova loss a little bit. Again, at the end of the day, it's an AAC school we look at the talent disparity that's going to be on the field, the size disparity. I mean, it's not going to be as dramatic as UMass, but the similar type of thing, you know, talk about our offensive line getting back on track. I, I mean, this is a dream opportunity for them. They're going to be playing guys who are, you know, about 75% their size. If you can't right the ship and get everything down in a game like this, then we are in huge trouble for the rest of the way. Again, everything we've heard out of practice this week in the press conferences is that this team is pissed off and ready to just you know get out there and hit some guys. So I, I don't know. For, for me, this is a pretty clear, you know, we got to show up game. And it kind of is that simple. Uh, if this is not a game that we win, if, if, if there's even a second in this game that we feel concerned or look slow, I will be very concerned for the rest of the season. If we come out the way I think we can come out and the way I think we will come out, uh, don't even really give them a serious chance that I think we can forget about Purdue, call it an anomaly, and get ready to go. Obviously, Temple's not a you know quality opponent, but still, it's a matter. I of disagree how we look. completely. Well, it's but yeah, but it's more of a matter of how we look than you know. No, I don't know. I think these guys are gonna be tough, and I, I think you know we opened as a uh, what a fifteen seventeen point favorite it to seventeen, and it's down. Well, it's, to it's all the way down to thirteen now. Okay, thirteen and a half. So the the money's coming on Temple right now. Um, this quarterback. Is, uh, is is a, a kind of a stud. He was recruited by Penn State and LSU uh, before he ended up committing to Temple. And as you said, it's been a completely different team since he took over. Um, this defense is also the real deal. They held Maryland, you know, one for twelve on third down, which, by the way, sounds familiar to you know what we did last week against Purdue. Um, they have fifteen sacks and seven forced fumbles, which is fifth and sixth in the country. Um, six out of thirteen on the in the red zone, which is best in the country defensively. Um, they have this, this bend don't, but don't break defense that, um, also is very opportunistic. Um, their defense actually shut Maryland out. They scored, you know, Maryland scored 14 points, but it was on a pick six and I think a blocked punt. So I don't know. I, I think, uh, you know, they had a couple tough losses, but I think they figured it out and, you know, they're well coached this, this guy, Jeff Collins is, you know, was a, uh, sort of a mastermind in the SEC, SEC for a while. Um, so I think they know what they're doing and, uh, this is a game, a game that's very concerning. Uh, especially coming off the way we looked last week. They really got to show up, and, and hopefully they have a good week in practice and figure out everything that went wrong. Hopefully the line figures it out because this D-line is no joke they're playing against. Um, so I don't know, I'm, I'm concerned. This is uh, And I said this episode one, too. I, th- I had this as one of our losses. I didn't have Purdue as one of our losses, um, but I had this as kind of a WTF loss, which we obviously can't afford at this point in the season. Yeah, I'd be, I, think I'd, I think I'd be more afraid honestly if we won last week and you know hey now we're top 15 we're looking ahead to acc play next week i could see it more as being yeah, a trap game this week maybe but we I think, just stink though i i really i just don't think that's the case i really don't and and i could be completely wrong but i i think that last week was a complete anomaly for whatever reason they just weren't mentally physically prepared to play that game and i really just believe that that's that's what it is so I think them losing that game, they know that this is a game they need to come out and they need to reprove themselves. They're pissed off. They want to play. They want to hit guys. I think this is a great opportunity to do it. You know, I'm glad we're playing them, honestly, more so than in a you know like a UConn or a UMass because that's a game that just doesn't show us anything. We know we're going to come out and look bigger and faster and stronger and beat them by 40 points. This is a game, you know, to your point that it's still technically a test. Like it's still a team that has beaten teams. They could beat us uh, on the right Saturday. 
So I think it's it actually will show us the progress that this team has made over the last you know six days and, and the way they practice. So I'm optimistic, and I actually I, I like the way it kind of falls in the schedule right now after this loss. NC State is not Clemson, by the way, either. So it's not like people are going to be looking you know past this game and putting all their focus on Cle- on NC State. So yeah, overall I, I like I like how we match up. I, I don't disagree with you that it's going to be a harder game than everyone thought, especially after week one and week two when they were zero two, but. For me, there's there's absolutely no excuse whatsoever to lose this game. And if we do lose this game, then I think I think if we lose this game, the hot seat for Adazio is officially back on, and the panic meter is at a hundred. Agreed. Yeah. No, we'll see what happens. I mean, are these guys sufficiently pissed off from you know embarrassing themselves on Saturday? Um, so our special teams can be able to figure it out. Are we going to kick a kick a field goal, Matt? At any I don't point think so. Season? I think I think we're going to go all season without a field goal. It, it's wild. Yeah. Um, but really the guy to watch is AJ. AJ should be able to, you know, handle uh, or really the line plus AJ. Because AJ, AJ can't do it himself. Um, but this is uh, the type of competition that we should be able to handle. Um, our receivers should be able to get some separation on their D-backs. They look susceptible um, against the likes of Buffalo, which is, uh, you know, if they can do it, that we should be able to do it as well. Um, you know, which, which Anthony Brown's going to show up. Um, with all that said, I think we'll pull it out, but I don't think it's going to be pretty. I got 22 to 13 as my official prediction, just because, uh, I don't know, I, I think their defense knows what they're doing, and I, I don't have any uh, confidence in our offensive line right now. I think if that's the final score, obviously we'll take a win, but I'll, I'll personally be pretty disappointed and, and continue to have not the most optimistic outlook for the rest of the season. I'm much more positive than you. I, I really, I've put last week in the rearview mirror, and I really do think it's that one-off anomaly. I'd love and to be wrong. I think this team's going to come out with a ton to prove and say that was not us. Hey, we're back. Let's let's you know let's let's talk about how the rest of this year is going to look. So I think they come out and they look phenomenal. I, I go with forty to seventeen. I think the offense picks up back where it was prior to last week. We still obviously missed two extra points to get to that forty number. And again, we hold we hold them. You know, just on, on physicality, we get the turnovers going back again. Ham Cheevers, we get him active again. He you know obviously didn't get any uh, turnovers last game, which was. Unlike him, to say the least. Uh, so I have a ton of confidence in this game. I think they're going to be completely ready to go. I, I, I really, for for the sake of my sanity, hope that I'm right. And I mean, I can live with the 22 to 13 or whatever your prediction was. Did you was, factor but... in the, the missed extra point? Because we had a nice little streak going. I, think we I did. I said I two. We're going to miss two extra points. 40, 40 points. Yeah. yeah two extra uh, we're points. We're going to miss two on mine, too. We're yeah. So I think so. I think there's just no chance that we go we go clean. <laughs> uh, but yeah, you know, it, it, it's, it sucks what happened last week, but... All we can do now is put it in the rearview mirror and look ahead to the next challenge and the challenges we have the rest of the way. I think this team still has what it takes talent-wise and hopefully coaching-wise to put it all together and give us a special season to remember the way the schedule works out. There's a lot of things that could go in our favor. we got to remember that. Not all is lost. The road to 15-0 is over. The road to the ACC championship is still very much alive. Road to 14-1 marches on. Yeah, I guess we could say that. Yeah, I, I'm thinking more, I guess, 13-1, and one, like 12, you know, ACC champs, not college football playoff and, and a good bowl game. But I guess 14-1. and one. Yeah, why not? Why not, Matt? All right. With that, I think uh, I think that probably covers everything we want to talk about. Hopefully, there'll be a different tone to next week's episode. Hopefully, it'll be coming off a win. Um, any closing thoughts, Matt? Yeah, uh, it's just this is it's now or never. Uh, they have a lot of doubters that have come out of the woodwork in the last week after everyone was so positive on this team for the first three weeks. It's time for the team to take all that in and prove everyone wrong, including partially us on Saturday. So let's see what they're made of. It's always a great day to be a dude.
Ooh, baby, it's a doodle. 